Hi everyone, it's Michelle with Studio City Now. And today my guest again is a man with the sexiest voice around, Miles Dalton. Hi Miles, thank you again for joining me. Bonjour Michelle. Bonjour, As Michelle. always, enchanté. Oh. Thank you for thank you for having me again on your podcast for part two. I could listen to you talk all day. Oh really? You could read. We'll, we'll, we'll have we'll have to schedule that one day. <laughs> I can I can recite all kinds of things for you. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, honey. Sounds good. But we were talking earlier. First, since I've been stalking you on IMDb, uh, Dreams of Darkness just got released. Actually, it's not quite released yet, Michelle. It the the um the release date was was there was a mistake in the listing of the of the release date it's just been pushed back but it's due to be released next month on november 5th oh yeah. it's saturday yes 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 so it was erroneously listed as uh the the 13th god i would love it to be re released already but it's coming up it'll get released shortly yeah yeah i can't wait I can't. Uh, I can't wait for you to see it and for the world to see it. Yeah, and how can we find it again? You said streaming, correct? It'll be streaming. It'll be streaming, and it's also going to be on Netflix, and it's going to be on Amazon, and it's also going to be on on Hulu, and uh, as well as being available on DVD and Blu-ray, which will come a little bit after that, I believe, in December. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's spelled Ray, R-E-Y. We know what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, one of the things we did talk about, because I am a working actor, and, um, you know, I'm not SAG, so I get taken advantage a lot. The um, horrendous hours actors have, and actually the crew, because I did a 16-hour day I couldn't even drive. I took an Uber home. Yes. Well, this is something which I've often found to be the case in which the working hours are truly insane. And I think that this has been going on for obviously decades and decades and decades. And I don't think there's another industry in which the hours are just uncivilized. In fact, there's a very, the very famous producer, Dick Zanuck, <laughs> said that 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 the working hours were truly uncivilized and yet there's no movement to try to revolutionize the industry well i do know well actually the only other industry is medicine because if you're a medic or if you're a nurse like i was for a while for a long time yes i mean you can be remanded to work a second shift you cannot abandon that patient or if you're in the middle of an emergency, you can't say, oops, three o'clock, my shift's done, bye. You're stuck. Yes, very true, very true. I think that's a good, you know, it's a different industry, but I because given the demands of being a health professional and being a doctor, the, me, the weird thing about the entertainment business is that, and the movie industry, and, and you want to talk about insanity, TV, the schedules for TV, TV series are even more insane. Six days a week, 18 hours a day. I, I don't know how they can stand withstand it. And and yet there's, there's no attempt to try to fix the problem. 
I, I know, for instance, I'm not sure if you've heard of the legendary cinematographer Haskell Wexler, who he actually passed away a few years ago. Actually, I know the name. Yes, yes. And he was a longtime cinematographer and he won a couple of Academy Awards. And he was trying to start, he, he actually did start a movement to try to remedy the insane working hours of the movie industry. Mm-hmm. And he even, he's got a legendary documentary called Who Needs Sleep? And it, he decided to make the documentary because it was precipitated by the very tragic death of one one of the crew members on a movie he was working on, in which the hours, it was something that they'd put in up a 22-hour day or something like that. And I think it may have been a, um, a camera assistant. And the camera assistant fell asleep behind the wheel driving home. Well, I think I've told you about the accident I was in. I was hit by a movie truck. Oh, you did tell me about this. It was November 6, 2016. I'm sorry, November 4th, 2016. Um, I cannot say the studio truck. Oh. The driver fell asleep driving, ran the red light, and T-boned me. And um, they used the jaws of life to get me out. And this is what I'm grateful for. You can see me. I can't see you, right? Can you see me? Yes, I can. Yes. I can walk. I gained 30 pounds, but all this is crushed back here. So I'm grateful I can walk. Michelle, that's horrifying. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. If I showed you pictures of my car, people have seen pictures and they're like, did the person die? I said, no, it's me. Michelle, I'm so sorry. It's horrifying. And, and God bless you that, that you pulled through and that you can walk and, and you're alive. Yeah, I'm grateful for all that. It changes your life. But my brother was a 399er Teamster. They do the studio work. 18 to 20 hour days on set before they can even leave unload. Um, a friend of mine who was on a series in the 90s said the same thing. He's an actor. I just don't know how people do it. I have problems staying awake 12 hours. And it's horrible. And I'm surprised there aren't more accidents. So am I. And what's interesting is, I I don't, you'd think that there would be more outcry Mm -hmm. from actors, actresses, crew members, because the hours are truly insane and uncivilized. And you don't hear much which which is shocking to me mm-hmm. and haskell wexler tried to a few years back before he passed away he was collecting various industry names and, and, and big cinematographers and big wigs to uh join his cause to try to to change the working hours and to make them more civilized and to make them even more restrictive and bizarrely, he failed. And I remember I was uh, speaking to another an ASC cinematographer named Roy Wagner. And I said to him, I said, Roy, why didn't this movement that Haskell was doing, that he was 
instigating, why didn't it succeed? And he said to me, Miles, because there's there are too many people willing to work those extreme hours and there weren't enough speaking up against it. Well, you know, and the union won't help. The problem with this industry, first of all, it's not as glamorous as you think. Oh, of course not. <laughs> I know this firsthand, yeah. Me too. I mean, I've been on set and um, we shot the same scene for 10 hours. All you saw was my arm, <laughs> which was no big deal because I got paid. But oh. um, this particular studio is very aware and uh, and takes care of their actors. Um, they make sure we're fed. They make sure, I mean, they'll even send out for coffee if we need it. Um, it's non-union. The union jobs I've worked, they don't care. And, um, you know, they have to follow union regulations, you know, the twilight time, the double time, the triple time, but they don't care as long as they get it done. And the non-union, they take care of their actors and the whole crew is incredible. Now on the union jobs I've worked, there has been incredible nastiness and I've seen everybody work the hours. Something's got to be done. The unions are a big part of it. And, and it's very hard to, to, to try to twist their arms to do things. And it, it's, it's been like this for so long mm -hmm. that it doesn't seem like there's any movement to try to change it. And like you, you know, I'm, I consider myself to be in, in, in very good shape. Mm -hmm. Those are those kinds of hours would be difficult even for me. And so one, one good thing is that in being along with my brother, Nicholas and having our own production company, being my own boss, we've been able to schedule our own hours. So for me, for instance, in the case of dreams of darkness, we never went longer than six hours. We would shoot from approximately noon until six in the evening. Yeah. And we, we would keep things very civilized. And people didn't have to be up so early. People didn't have to get home so late. There was there was it was civilized. And we just were able to be very efficient in in, in shooting during those particular hours. This, of course, as you know, is not the norm. You you know, I I've told people this this kind of schedule that we've maintained and they're kind of incredulous that we could even do this. It's yeah. one of the advantages of being non-union and being our, being my own boss. Right. So I'm, I'm a big believer in keeping things civilized. And I'm not sure if you know this, what's very interesting is, you know, in Europe, the production industry is very different. And for instance, in, in France, mm -hmm. they had some very interesting hours that they would keep. Well, they would, number one, they wouldn't really go any longer than eight hours. And they would shoot from 11 in the morning until 7 at night. Oh, wow. They were, they were very they were very different. Sometimes only 11 till 6, which is, they, they call that French hours in, in, in Europe. <laughs> so like it's, it's, it's quite a bit different from, from America. But, but, you know, Michelle, the feature films are bad, but did you hear the schedules of these? of TV series, and they're even more insane. Six-day weeks, sometimes seven-day weeks. 
nothing shorter than 14 hours. When we did Beulah Land, I don't know if you remember that. It was in the city. Yes, I do. I do. Okay. That was in Louisiana. Those were 20-hour days in Louisiana. <laughs> wow. Hot, humid, um, creepy crawlies. It was, ooh. That, that's really crazy because don't they, I mean, how do they deal with that? Because, you know, there has to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least a 12-hour turnaround time, right? Where, um, yeah. And were, were they 20-hour days consistently day after day after day, or, or was that just once a week or twice a week? Okay, I'm going back, what, about 45 years? Oh, I see. I so see. Um, I remember several times a week, and it gets to the point you can't work without sleep. Yes, yes. And then Very there true. was another show, which I will not name, that one of my closest friends was on for four years. He said they rarely had 16-hour days, usually about 12. And even 12 hours is, 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 is extreme. I mean, most, most business, most vocations don't work 12-hour days. <laughs> even that's extreme. No, you know? no, in nursing, which is part of my background, there have been times I've been remanded or forced to work, you know, two shifts because let's say my relief didn't show up and you can't just leave because that's patient abandonment. But, I see, I see. But also if you, if you actually feel unsafe, you go to the charge nurse or the DON and say, you need to get someone in to replace me. I don't feel safe giving meds. And they took care of you, which are you needing to do now? Oh, oh yeah, when you have life or death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever get the time, Michelle, check out this documentary by Haskell Wexler called Who Needs Sleep? And he goes around in interviewing rather big names. He speaks to Julia Roberts. He speaks to Daryl Hannah. He speaks to lots of other people that basically have taken, they side with him mm -hmm. and they relate stories in which people have fallen asleep or when there have been many close calls or the the observations of inefficiency starting to trickle in concentration going people being fatigued beyond words oh yeah you know it, it just it becomes it becomes inefficient and, and people the whole everything starts to suffer no one is uh at a certain point, going to be at a, at at peak concentration. True. Yeah. Even the early days, um, maybe the twenties, thirties, just when talkies started, like the Gene yes. Harlow. Who was in that era? Gene Harlow, uh, Theda Berra. Theda Berra, yes. Gloria Swanson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think they work horrendous hours, too. One thing that you might find interesting is that there was a period of time in England, in the mm -hmm. UK, because I, I have a few friends of mine that have worked for, for quite extensively, extensively in, the, in the British film industry. And they would tell me that there was a period of time in which the hours were actually so civilized where you, they would only work Monday to Friday, five days a week weekends were off and they usually would wrap up by five o'clock in the evening they would go approximately from eight in the morning until five everyone could be home for dinner and they had weekends off 
Is that amazing? That is amazing. Now, I worked over at Metro Media Group, which is now part of Fox. So I'm going back to 1970s before I went to nursing school. And I would see, I would hang around to see things filmed like one day at a time. And um, that's the only one I remember. They'd rehearse all day, shoot, and everybody would be out by 9.30, 10.00, which they had to do anyway because they had um, underaged or minors working. So that was kind of cool. So you, you saw, you observed some tapings of, of One Day at a Time. Oh, yeah. Interesting. That must have been Val- Valerie Bertinelli and uh, Mackenzie Phillips. A very young Valerie Bertinelli. Yes, she was very young at that time. Yeah. And a very young Mackenzie Phillips. Um, I left... It was right before Mackenzie had her downfall, you know, her drug addiction, et cetera. Yes, yes. Yeah. There were other shows I saw, but that's the one that stands out. Then I went over to Spelling and um, I did the contracts. I didn't see anything being filmed. I would have loved to have, but all of his stuff was action films off, off the lot. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, he was an interesting guy, but those were also the long hours. Well, you know, this all goes back to what you were saying initially about how it's not a glamorous business, because when you think about it, when when people are working these kinds of hours, you literally have no life. You basically get up, go to the studio, work, come back. You're lucky if you can even eat something, you have to go straight to bed, and then you have to be up again early in the morning. Well, I was talking to... Um... A friend, I'm not going to do names. And um, he was on a show for 10 years. He was 10 when he started, 20 when he ended. And he said his life and the woman who played his sister consisted of going to work, on studio schooling, coming home because they were minors, in bed reading a script for the next day. No life, no friends. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think kids should be forced to work anyway, but we do need kid actors. Very true. And you think that there would be some, with children in particular, one would think that the producers of the studios would be a bit more inclined to tread a little bit more carefully with them and cut them some more slack. And quite often, it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be the case. Well, there's a, an organization founded it because one of his kid actor friends that he grew up with... Um, unlived himself and he did a lot of research and found how these actors are really mistreated and he does what he can you know but you can only do so much as one person oh michelle do you know what you raise an interesting point because it doesn't get any more you you want to talk about kids being mistreated probably the most famous example what what they did to Judy Garland. Yes. When she was a teenager and how they worked her to death. I mean, not literally figuratively, but they had her booked. It, well, they had her under contract. So she she was obligated to do these things. And she her schedule was just insane. This is why this is why how she got addicted to uppers. She couldn't get through the days uh, if she didn't have any some stimulants in her. So she got they, they basically, the studio got her hooked on speed. Oh, yeah, to keep her thin and to keep her going. Yeah. Well, Shirley yeah. Temple also, when she finally came forward, 
um, they would make her sit on a block of ice if they didn't like what she did. And um, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. Yeah. And look at Jackie. Is it Coogan? Yeah, Jackie Coogan, the Coogan Laws. His parents took everything he made. He turned 18 and was broke. Isn't that astounding? Just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. And so, again, it, it shows a very, very ugly, unflattering side of show business. And it's, it's hard to think that Judy Garland or some of these child actors were actually happy. Yeah, Judy Garland especially. She was such an incredible talent. And, um, you know, uh, what was it? The Wizard of Oz, which really made her. Um, yes, yes. But she was working the same amount of hours as they all were. And, um, you know, because of that movie and because of what the studio did to her, she had that lifelong addiction problem, which eventually took her from us. Yes. I think she was yeah. 49. She was, she, very was she was she was would you believe it? She was only 47. Oh my gosh. Which is just really insane. And she looked like she was just ancient already, even at 47. But but you know, Michelle, this this is an epidemic in the entire entertainment business for for decades and decades and decades and i'm sure you know this even with musicians and the and the, the music business these people are they're they're overbooked they're 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 uh, uh they're worked to death they have to mm -hmm. find some way to keep on going and they're given methamphetamines and they're yeah. given speed and they get hooked on shots and then they need shots to put them to sleep and judy garner was particularly bad because they they just overworked her and overworked her and then and they were giving her diet pills and she was just got hooked on speed and it didn't stop there. And she was an alcoholic, but when you when you're that hooked on speed, that brings you down. So you're not jittery and it's it's horrible. Yeah, she had, she ends up having uh, people like to end up having just the extremes become very pronounced. And you know what, I, I it, it wouldn't surprise me. Look, I think that you know we you and I are both realists and that it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me if this stuff is still going on in the movie business. You've got mm -hmm. people taking things to keep on going and keep on going. The schedules are so arduous and tiring and unrelenting because you don't, you wonder how just a mere mortal can get through those hours. I mean, and what's interesting, it's not just the actors and the actresses. I also wonder about the directors, the cameramen, right. the gaffers, the grips, Mm -hmm. oh yeah well look at the i know you're seeing weird lighting <laughs> look at the um like neil diamond and linda ronstant and um all these actors and singers who were very popular in the 70s and 80s and now they have parkinson's which i believe is a side effect from diet pills speed or cocaine yes yeah yeah I wouldn't doubt it. In fact, there's a famous story, even with, um, I read his biography. It was very fast. Autobiography was very fascinating. Remember Eddie Fisher? Oh, Eddie yes. Fisher's father. Oh my God. What the, he tells a very interesting story about how he was, how he got hooked. It was, he was very young. He was 20 years old and his manager basically booked him to kingdom come. 
and he was exhausted and there was one he 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 stated the night that he remembers when his addiction started because he was exhausted and he told his manager i can't i can't go on stage i, I have no energy i'm i'm, I'm absolutely exhausted mm-hmm. the manager basically calls the doctor feel good comes gives him a shot and then then he's able to perform that night and do you realize how many stories are like this in the entertainment business liz taylor yes yes yeah yeah liz taylor. i mean she she and she and burton maintained insane working schedules they were always working because I mean they were living a very ostentatious lifestyle. So they they yeah. had to keep working back in the in the sixties and, and early seventies. And they she got addicted to painkillers and and uh, and methamphetamines. It, it it you know Michelle, it's not a healthy business in this respect. Plus, um, I'm so glad that the studios are letting women be women as opposed to these stick figures with poofy lips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was part yes. of Judy Garland. A lot of yes. Liz Taylor, because whenever she got a little fluffy, they would just come down on her. And now I see actors or actresses who are not stick thin and actually look like women. Yes, yes. And, um, well, this is a good thing because I yeah. I think that there's there's been way too much pressure on women over the years, especially in the, in the entertainment business too. Oh, yeah. To be... To be unreasonably thin to the point of their their self-body images are just irrational and it causes all sorts of, of psychological issues and, and physical issues women need to look like women and i think that mm-hmm. that um i know there's famous stories with when liz taylor did cleopatra and she gained weight and they had to they had to photograph her from only certain angles they had to cover up certain things but i'm on your side i agree with you i can agree oh, with yeah. you michelle because I'm not stick thin. I look like, you know, I'm an average, well, a little more than average now. Before quarantine, <laughs> average weight, average height, you know, five, six at 140 pounds. That's normal. Not fat. That is a normal weight for someone that height. Yes. And yes. Um, my former I- agent told me I was too fat and I had to fast and I had to do this and I had to turn over my contact list so i wrote her a letter and said you know what this is what i look like when i signed with you it's been over a year severing the relationship went on to another agent who said you look perfect you know because i'm athletic and um had the perfect build and i did nothing but book and i've been booking solid ever since that's fantastic because i look like the average american woman i'm not stick thin thank goodness I'd like to know what it's like for once, but. Oh, well, you know, our, our dear friend, Ellen, she related a story to me, which I found just completely insane. I forgot what, what movie she was. on. I think it was um, time after time. I mean, I may be mistaken, but she told me a story of the director whom I think was Nicholas Meyer. Somebody said to her and she was already back then. She was extremely trim. And she still is. She's yes. And gorgeous. Yes, very much so. And would you believe it? She said that back then the director said that she needed to lose weight and she's already real thin. Yeah. That is truly insane. And unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of people like this still in the in the industry in which actors and actresses, in particular actresses, mm-hmm. are clearly trim and in shape. 
and they're nitpicking them and they're putting them under the microscope and they're, and they're excoriating them for not being thinner. This is just truly insane. I think Ellen told me about that and I just looked at her and said, where would you lose weight? Your hair? Yeah. Because um, yeah. I've encountered people like this too where I know some producers where it's almost as if they have some kind of mangled body dysmorphic syndrome because they're mm -hmm. looking at people that are clearly trim and they're saying, well, you need to lose 10 pounds. And it's, it, and it's completely whacked out. And it's completely, see, it's that kind of mindset in the entertainment business, which is truly devastating to people. Oh, yeah. And to women and, in particular. And that's what happened to Judy Garland and Liz Taylor. You know? Yes. And they end up, Judy Garland ends up having eating disorders. Oh, my God. Just, mm -hmm. I, I get, you know, it, it's a strange business, Michelle, because it, it's... On one hand, people think it's extraordinary glamorous, and we have this, this entire culture of celebrity since the beginning of cinema. And okay. yet, simultaneously, there's this very ugly dark side that's going on behind the scenes in which it's the, the everyday nitty-gritty reality of what goes on to get these, these, these movies and TV shows done. Yeah, and, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, well, yeah, it's that. And uh, oh, I remember in the 60s. Remember Twiggy, the model? Yes, I do. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be like her. She didn't look healthy. She looked emaciated. She did. And she was on a show called The Nanny for a while. She's about 20 pounds heavier, looked better, still very slender, but, you know, not skeletal, which was good. Michelle, I bet you anything, and I've heard stories of this that. A lot of these actresses, even going back to the 60s, they, would, they were doing all, all kinds of extreme things to be that skinny. They would, um, I know that the latest trend the last 20 years, you've got these girls taking clambuterol, which is a pharmaceutical grade fat burn. It's not, it's not even legal in America, but they do all sorts of crazy things to get skinny and stay thin. And uh, it's very unhealthy from this aspect. Well, when I was in nursing school, Fen Fen was being developed. So I'm going back to 1981, 82. And yeah. my mom was obsessed with being thin. And um, Fen Fen is basically an upper, the first Fen. The second Fen is um, an antidepressant. Now, I love chemistry. And I tried to research the side effects and it was very hush-hush. But I knew it didn't make sense and something was not right. It yes. turns out what it did was destroy the arteries, uh, cause calcification of the cardiac or of the heart arteries. And um, it caused other things. I mean, one of the side effects was Parkinson-like symptoms. But you know, you take uppers, you're going to shake, you're going to, you're going to talk like this and not know what you're saying. And um, it just amazes me. People are still doing this. I think that many people, they don't realize that there's going to be a price to pay later on with their health. And I think that so many of these actresses are so focused on the moment and the competitiveness is so severe that they're willing to do almost anything. And they don't realize the the, the full extent of how dire the consequences are going to be and the, the health problem problems that can befall them as they get older. Yeah, I remember talking you know, to a woman I was working with. She was crazy, but she was crazy in a good way. She um, she wanted Fen Fen and one of my neighbors had it. And I said, no, you you really shouldn't take this, you know, because the long-term effects. Oh, I don't care about that. I want to be thin now. Oh, my gosh. 
You know, that was it, it, healthy, it, that was society, and she wasn't an actress. Well, it, it's a, this, this entire practice is increasing. You see, even with with men too, you see a lot of actors for these roles are getting jacked up, and you know, in combination with computer generated effects, they're they're able to put biceps and abdominals on men now. But a lot of these guys are are themselves abusing abusing drugs. Any any of these guys you see that theoretically have started working on and lifting weights and getting bulkier. They're yeah. taking things. They're they're taking things, Michelle. I know this firsthand. They're taking steroids and they're taking oh, yeah. performance enhancing drugs. And and even the pressure for men to look good has really increased over the past 20 years. Right. You know? Oh yeah. I saw God, we can go on forever on this. Yes, we can. <laughs> but um what I saw a couple of years ago at a street festival, there was a guy, I can picture him, and uh, he owned a gym. The guy's name was Keith. Very nice guy. And he had this body. I mean, oh my God, he had this body. And he says, yes, I get it from working out and just looking at him. I'm thinking, no, you're taking steroids, dude. Nobody is that buff in that shape with the shape. It's like it was a perfect square, then V. Those are steroids. Yeah, the V, the v shape taper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt, Michelle, because I mean, I, I've worked out myself and lifted weights and I'm familiar with the bodybuilding world as well, and it's it's extremely difficult for anybody, any of these guys, to get these kinds of bodies naturally. It's almost impossible. And so, all these guys that you're seeing, most guys are jacked when they're when they're when you see them become overly muscular. Because I've seen the natural look of men when they've just been without any kind of drugs and they've been working out for years. And there's a big difference between like a lot of these guys, it's just, these actors now you see everyone raves about, oh, wow, look, he looks, he just gained 20 pounds of muscle in two months. Well, that's just not possible. Not possible. You're lucky if if, if you can gain 10 pounds in one year of muscle. And look, and, and there's stories and people that I know that are, are part of the inner sanctum that say these guys all get jacked and they all start taking things and uh, to get muscular and ripped. So, Here's another incident uh, in a different, in a slightly different way as compared to the females, where the men, male actors, start abusing substances and doing things like that in order for movie roles and the pressure to look good. And uh, and that comes with its own pitfalls. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, but the women, I must tell you something, Michelle. I really, I really feel for women. Mm-hmm. I feel for actresses and the tremendous pressure to look good it, it it's so it's going to be crippling at times for, for for so many of these of these women and actresses oh it's it's horrible um really horrible because um as a female actress and actually dealing with that particular agent it was horrible and i never had i didn't have that issue with my prior agents or anyone in the past but it was her but I think she had other issues too. And like I, I said, five, look, six, 140 pounds, that's normal. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, Michelle, what's interesting is things have become so sophisticated with production technology. I'm not sure if you know this, but they, in post-production these days, it's common practice that they remove pounds from actresses' bodies. They'll take fat off underneath the chin they're, they will they'll sculpt women's faces. They'll they'll flatten their bellies. They'll <laughs> yeah yes and exactly and they'll they can easily take 10, 10 to twenty pounds off of women in post production. And the thing that's scary about it is that it's seamless and you can't tell. Well, one of the things I saw 
And then we do have to wrap this up. Sure, sure. So we can go on forever. Yes, we can, Michelle. Because, <laughs> um, like I said, I could listen to you talk forever. Oh, very sweet, very nice of you. Um, many years ago. See, I was living in Malibu and I lived in there in 87. So that's like 30 years ago. I see. 2007. 97, 2007. Oh my God, over 30 years. So I'm living in Malibu and there's a TV guide. Do you remember the old TV guides? You used to get TV guide all the time. Yeah. Me too. I have one with the monkeys. And That's it, awesome. <clears throat> I like. I always love getting TV guide. Yeah. Yeah. And I love doing the puzzles. But anyway, so I get this TV guide and it's got Anne Margaret. And, you know, everybody wanted to be Anne Margaret at one time because she was a girl next door, but she went out with Elvis. So she's sitting and she's kind of sideways with her hair, her head tilted and, you know, just beautiful. And of course, the picture was enhanced a bit. Ten years later, same pose, Oprah Winfrey. And all they did was swap heads. And somebody else caught it and said, um, this is the same Anne Margaret. And of course, the photographer said, no, no, it's a different picture. And it came out that it was the same picture. And they just swapped the heads. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. No. This is, you know, again, Michelle, it's all smoke and mirrors. And this stuff goes on all the time. You know, it's just image and image and image. And and um, quite, often, quite often it does, does not reflect reality. On that note, should we end it? We Sorry. should. Okay. All right. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you and so much I'm- for having me again. We'll do episode three. Sounds great. Sounds like a plan. Whenever you want, always ready. I have my calendar. I'll call you. Okay. All right, sweetheart. Okay. Thank you so much. You too. And I'll talk take to you. Take care of yourself. You take too. Take care. Take and we'll speak. Okay, some bye. And take care and we'll speak soon. You got it. Okay. okay Au revoir. Okay. Au revoir. Bye-bye.